Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm the Gnarly Gnome, and this, oh, this is Drinking with the Gnome. You should probably be able to figure out what this show is about just from that limited information, uh, but we, we, we drink together. We hang out and we drink something together. That's not entirely fair. The show is about a little bit more than just sitting around and drinking. It's about the drinking establishments. It's about the people. It's even kind of about the drinking culture here in Cincinnati, and sometimes... Sometimes it's even about digging a little bit deeper into the drinks themselves, which is exactly where this episode uh, is hopefully taking us. That's right, in this episode, we're going to get a little bit geeky. We're going to talk about absinthe. Now, when it comes to spirits, especially something like absinthe, there's a lot of myth. There's a lot of mystery, misinformation that surrounds the drink itself. And I'd like to try to straighten some of that out. Hopefully. That's, That's my goal here. Absinthe is a super high proof herbal spirit, which means, you know, that it's made with all kinds of plants and stuff like that. It's often miscategorized as a liqueur, but it's most definitely a liquor. That means that there shouldn't be any added sugar to a bottle of absinthe, uh, which for the record is what defines a liqueur versus a liquor, which is probably a whole different episode within itself. But you need to know that about this stuff. The most important ingredients that you're going to find in absinthe are green anise, so the little star anise, you know that stuff, green anise, a sweet fennel, and then a source of a lot of that information, misinformation, misinformation that I mentioned. It's called Artemisia absinthium, grand wormwood. This stuff is, is weird stuff, and it's got all kinds of different myths and legends and stuff that surround it, but um, that's actually a good place to start with any of this. Grand Wormwood. It's a source of a chemical that's called thujone, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but that's how I pronounce it in my head, so that's how I'm going to pronounce it in this episode. Feel free to send me an email and tell me that I'm wrong. Uh, so if we go back in time a little bit, and we'll go back to the late 18th and 19th century, absinthe really had its heyday. It became super popular in Europe, especially with the really cool bohemian crowd, the writers, the artists, those people. Um, these folks, they thought that it helped them with their creativity, I, I guess. I, I can see that. <laughs> they eventually started to develop a bit of a reputation that it caused hallucinations and sort of made you crazy uh, because some of those people were kind of crazy. That thujone that we talked about, do you remember that? Well, in high quantities, that stuff can get really, really nasty. It can definitely do some weird stuff to you. Um, but, and this is a huge but, to get enough of that thujone into you from actually drinking absinthe, you've got to go through several other chemicals uh, to get there. And and they're extremely high quantities, mind you, uh, especially alcohol. Uh, you should definitely know that proper absinthe is extremely high in alcohol, which means before you get anywhere near enough absinthe to worry about the thujone, you got to get through that alcohol. It's probably going to kill you before you have to worry about the thujone. Um, so th- that's where some of this misinformation starts with. So true or not, absinthe and its rumored effect were definitely demonized. So much so that by 1915, it was banned in the United States and most of Europe. You couldn't buy this stuff. And it wasn't until the 1990s, so 1990s, like recent past here, that we were finally able to get it. The people the people that were making the absinthe were finally able to prove that it's not really dangerous, at least not any more than any other booze that is high in alcohol. These absinthe companies were finally able to get the U.S. ban lifted and opens the door for us to be able to buy it again here in the States. The reputation of absinthe, though, it still lingers even more than 25 years after the ban was lifted. People still think this stuff is going to make you crazy or make you hallucinate, and it's not going to do that. 
If you want to talk about the history of this stuff, you can trace it all the way back to like ancient Greece. Back then, there was supposedly some kind of medicinal wine that was used to heal all sorts of ailments, some kind of magic booze. Uh, since clearly you, you can't see what I'm doing, I'll let you know that I'm doing air quotes with my hands around the word medicinal, only because I think that modern medicine has some slight disagreements with the effectiveness of this medical elixir. Uh, but in the late 1700s, this is where things really started to become what we know of absinthe today. There's a doctor in Switzerland that started making his own version of a medicinal elixir. This dude, Dr. Pierre Ordinaire, what a great name, <laughs> created something that actually started to taste good. When he died, he left the recipe to his housekeepers, I guess, which is I, there's probably a big story here that I would love to read more about. Um, they marketed it. They put it out there as Dr. Ordinaire's absinthe, and then they eventually sell the recipe. It gets passed down through a couple generations. Eventually, eventually, it starts to explode, uh, again, metaphorically, in popularity. That's what we were talking about before. It's become super popular. People like to drink it. Speaking of drinking it, how do you drink this stuff? Super boozy, right? <sighs> right. Well... Part of absence, mystery and intrigue are some of the rituals that occur around it. You've seen the big fountains of ice water slowly dripping into a weird, cloudy, green, mysterious glass, right? Sugar cubes, flaming sugar cubes, it's all extremely easy to feel intimidated by it. Look, you don't have to make this complicated. You can enjoy absinthe just by taking a couple ounces, adding it to a glass of five or six ounces of ice water. It's honestly my go-to when I'm drinking this stuff in my day-to-day -day life. You just put it in there, mix it up, you sit out in the sunshine and you drink it and it's delicious. That's not to say that you can't play around with some of the other serving methods too. If you want to have fun, sometimes uh, you can go with the whole absinthe fountain deal. That's the big thing, ice water that slowly drips. Uh, you can play around with sugar cubes. You can even light the sugar cubes on fire if you want to. I don't care. You can do whatever you want to do. It doesn't even matter. Have fun with it for the love of God. Just get out there and try it. Try it. Play around with it. Have fun with it. There's tons of really great absinthe on the shelf right now. The best place that I have found to go buy it is Party Source. Kentucky has way easier liquor laws than Ohio does, so go down there to the Party Source. Uh, just browse the shelf. Just grab a couple things and just try it and have fun with it. Um, you can you can just drink it the way I told you with in ice water, and you'll be fine. Or you can go out around town and you can get a cocktail, which is the next thing that I want to talk about. <laughs> Look, we can talk about absinthe all day long. We can talk about the history. We can talk about all that stuff. And it, it, it's great and it's fun. And that's a huge part of what the show is. But uh, the biggest part of what all of this is about is drinking things and trying new things and getting out there and, and, and experimenting. And uh, that leads us to this next segment where we drink. Um, I'm now behind my bar, which is probably why this sounds a little bit different because I left the confines of my cozy studio, uh, drug out a bunch of uh, liquor bottles and things, and I'm set up behind the bar. I have a bunch of books spread out in front of me. Like, I wish this was a video so that you guys could actually see this. Um, we're going to make a Corpse Reviver number two. There are several different Corpse Revivers, and they're all very different drinks. But uh, Corpse Reviver number two is uh, one of the most popular of them, or if, if not the most popular of them. And absinthe plays a very important role in it. Uh, this is not an absinthe cocktail, although if you Google absinthe cocktails, it probably comes up because of the role it does play, but it's not a main ingredient. In fact, absinthe, all you're using it for is a rinse of the glass. Like you're just uh, coating the inside of your cocktail glass with absinthe. It's amazing how big of a part that that ends up playing in the finished drink. 
let's get into this. Uh, I've never made this cocktail here at home. I've drank it several times in bars. Uh, the biggest problem that most people are going to run into is uh, their dry vermouth. So I'm looking at, like I said, several books spread out in front of me. The one that I've always been told to go to for a drink like this is the Savoy cocktail book. Uh, there, it's very confusing if you read theirs. Their uh, recipe for a corpse reviver number two is a quarter wine glass of lemon juice, a quarter wine glass of Kina Lille, a quarter wine glass of Cointreau, a quarter wine glass of dry gin, and a dash of absinthe. Uh, it also says that four of these taken in swift succession will unrevive the corpse again. Um, the, the, the measurements are very confusing in that. Uh, the important thing that you get out of that is that it is equal parts of each of these ingredients. Um, the hard part that we get out of this recipe is Kina Lille or Lilit or whatever, however you pronounce it. I believe it's Lille since it's French is not made anymore. Now there is a Lille Blanc, which is something that you'll see in a lot of drinks like the, the Vesper Martini and stuff like that. Uh, if you guys are James Bond fans, you're familiar with that drink. Um, uh, and that is made now. So you could get that. However, everything that I read um, tells me that uh, Kochi Americano dry vermouth is the closest in flavor to Kina Lille. So uh, get yourself a bottle of Kochi Americano as far as your, uh, your vermouth goes. Uh, let's keep going into some of these other cocktail books because um, we'll figure out how we're actually going to do this. Uh, let's see. This one here, uh, let's, it's called Let's Bring Back the Cocktail Edition. They give their recipe as three quarters of an ounce. That's better than a uh, wine glass. <laughs> three quarters of an ounce of Lille Blanc. Uh, three quarters of an ounce of Cointreau three quarters ounce of gin, three quarters ounce of fresh lemon juice and a dash of absinthe. All right. So we're, we're on the same page here with most of these. Uh, the one that I typically grab for more modern cocktail recipes, uh, is the essential bartender's guide by Robert Hess. Uh, he's got some really great, uh, YouTube videos out there. If you guys ever want to dive into some, uh, YouTube cocktail videos. His recipe for Corpse Survivor number two is three quarters of an ounce of gin, three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice, three quarters of an ounce of Cointreau, uh, three quarters of an ounce of Lille Blanc, and then a dash of absinthe. So I think we know where we're going with this. We're going to go equal parts of each of these ingredients. Um, we've got our, our vermouth figured out. Um, we're going with a Kochi Americano. You could go Lille Blanc like most of these uh, tell you to, but we're going with Kochi. Uh, we've got your, uh, your Cointreau. I have a bottle of, uh, absinthe here. I went with a uh, lucid absinthe. It's one of my favorites. Um, and then, uh, lemon juice, your fresh lemon juice, which is self-explanatory. It's lemon juice. Um, I do have to mention that before we dive into this cocktail, I do have a uh, cocktail glass sitting over here on the bar with ice water in it already chilling, ready to go. Um, We'll get to all that. We'll get to the, to the glass part because it is a little complicated. Um, it's pretty easy. Like I said, quarter ounce of each of them, except your uh, your absinthe. Don't add that in yet. So we're going to start with Cointreau. This is very complicated with a microphone sitting in front of me. Bear with me while I pour. Okay. Three quarters ounce Cointreau. 
Uh, my gin. Oh, I didn't mention my gin. I went, this is probably uh, not traditional at all, but that's okay. Uh, I went with Five Stories, their botanical gin. It is their dry hopped botanical gin, which I freaking love, or uh, wet hopped, I guess. It's made with, with hops. Three quarters ounce there. I'm trying very hard not to spill anything on my microphone or my recorder or any of that. I guess if I'm going to do these cocktails with Drinking with the Gnome episodes, I need to get a better setup behind the bar to record things. Lemon juice. Uh, it is freshly squeezed, but I squeezed it before I started recording, just so you guys didn't have to sit there and listen to me squeeze lemons. Next are vermouth, our Kochi Americano. Um, also... We'll probably talk about vermouth sometime on the show, but uh, if you uh, if you keep vermouth in your house, put it in your fridge. Uh, we'll talk about why at some point, but um, it does kind of not that it goes bad, but it loses all of its its flavor and its a uh, its its oomph. All right, that is all of our ingredients that we're going to put into here. We're not going to shake this yet, though. We're not going to put ice in it. We're going to let that hang out for one second because we're intended this cocktail glass. Which, like I said, we've had. Ice water sitting in over on the bar, so it's nice and chilled. Now, we're going to take our absinthe, and we're going to put just a little bit in there. Okay, and then I wish you could see this. I guess I should have set this up as a video. We're just going to make sure that the absinthe hits like every, every little square millimeter of the inside of this glass, just like that. And then what I do... Again, you can't see this, but I grab another little little taster glass and I dump the absinthe in there because we'll drink that later. I am not wasting any absinthe in this house. Okay. Oh, I can already smell it. The whole bar has this beautiful aroma. Okay. Glass is ready. Let's go ahead and shake this cocktail. I will also uh, fast forward through some of the shaking so you don't have to listen to me shake for as long as I actually do, but uh, know that I am shaking this for an appropriate amount of time. You know your, uh, your drink is, is ready when the outside of your tin gets all frosty and starts to get really uncomfortable to hold. All right, I'm gonna put a strainer. And we're going to strain this into our cocktail glass. And we are going to garnish it with a uh, lemon peel. And when I garnish with a lemon peel after I, well, so you, you, you cut the peel off a lemon. And then... Uh, when you're, when you're getting ready to put it in your drink, you kind of give it a little twist and a squeeze, and you'll see the uh, the oil like just shoot off of the lemon peel. And that's important to give that little bit of lemon on top. And then I take the lemon peel, and I kind of just wipe it on the outside of the glass, and that uh, gives you a little bit more of that oil before you uh, take a drink, which is exactly what we're going to do right now. We're going to dive into this cocktail, which looks really, really good. Uh, cheers to everybody. Mm. 
So it's a it's a twist on just a, a typical sour cocktail. This one has that little, little snap on top of um, the anise and some of those botanicals, and it is just fantastic. Um, if you use the uh, the right absinthe, you get a ton of it. If you use the wrong absinthe, it may hide in there, but um, this one is absolutely delicious. I think that that, uh, that wet hopped gin is just the perfect addition to it, too. It um, adds a little more of that um, floral and kind of uh, earthy, uh, personality that I that I like to it. So that's my cocktail. That's my uh, probably my favorite absinthe cocktail. Um, although clearly I haven't had every absinthe cocktail. So uh, I'm going to try to prove myself wrong every time I go somewhere and something sounds good with absinthe in it. So if you guys have not tried this one, try it. If you've not tried absinthe, just try it. Just get out there and, and kind of play around with it. That's the whole point of this. Uh, that's it. Thank you guys for listening to Drinking with a Gnome. We will be back. Um, in fact, we're going to be back hopefully next week. <laughs> don't don't quote me on that. It might be two weeks. But we have an episode with Fruit Blood Wine coming up. We talked to uh, Josh and we talked about what they're all about. Um, hopefully, we're going to get some regular episodes coming at you of Drinking with the Gnome. You guys know that this has been a long time coming if you are a, uh, a regular Gnome fan. So uh, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for being patient while this this show kind of figures out who it is. Um, I appreciate you very much. If you want to support all of the things that I do, just go to the gnarlygnome.com slash support and you can do it that way. And your money does go to a good cause like uh, like buying ingredients for corpse revivers. <laughs> It's not not entirely true, but kind of true. <laughs> Thank you guys. Drink it with a gnome.